Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Retail Refresh, the show where we talk about everything to do with retail media and technology. I'm Rob, and I'll be one of your hosts for today. And I'm Jazz. I'm also here to host. Jazz, I have a confession to make. Uh oh. Okay, yeah. My confession is that I have never purchased retail media ads before. Is that a confession? I just feel like I should practice what I preach, you know? And what I preach is that retail media is the bee's knees. Right, but Rob, you don't work for a place where it would make sense to run retail media ads. Yeah, but I could run them for myself. Let me picture it. The ads could say, hey, Rob's great. He's really nice and fun. Once you get to know him, please be his friend. Like picture that on an e-commerce site or inside of your local grocery store, you know? It would be weird, Rob, and sad. I think it would throw off the vibe. Okay. Well, maybe I just need inspiration to get it right. I mean, not the intention, but we do have an expert on the show today to share her perspective on retail media. So you're in luck. Talia Arnold is a managing director at Xveris Media and is an expert media strategy and planning for digital campaigns, including retail media. She's also a writer and speaker at many industry conferences, including Media Post, DigiDay, and iMedia. Welcome to the show, Talia. Hi, thank you. <laughs> to start off, can you tell us a little bit about Xveris Media and how long the agency has been active in the retail media space? Love it. Love it. So um, your first question before we went live was, how do you pronounce it? And it's, you did it correctly, which is amazing. Xveris. And Xveris is a Latin word that means from the truth. And so the whole reason why we started this agency uh, about 10 years ago now was about giving brand advertisers the truth about what's actually happening with their advertising dollars and is it returning sales for them and being very transparent about, about those results. And so that's what we do. We're, it's everything you said. We're a media strategy planning and buying agency based in Los Angeles. Um, it's small independent boutique, if you want to call it that. And um, we typically help clients who are brand advertisers, usually consumer packaged goods like food, beverage, household products, pet food. Um, we help those types of clients who are really looking to get to the next level of, of success and reach, you know, to go from, say, 50 million in annual sales to 200 million to 400 million. And retail media is, has been a key component of how we've helped our clients do that. And we've been in the retail media space since, I want to say, 2017, which is pretty early days. Um, the first client we worked with was a, uh, in retail media was a robotics, a robotic vacuum cleaner who had a significant portion of their sales, as you can imagine, um, done through Amazon. Hmm. And so that was the first project where we really leaned in a, leaned heavily in a big way in retail media, specifically in Amazon, but also some, you know, Best Buy and other, uh, electronic retail outlets. Um, so that was the, how we got our start in retail media. Uh, this is very silly. I have an inordinate amount of love for robot vacuum. So that just tickles <laughs> me instantly. I don't know why I do. I just love them. Um, or but am I, I not at all surprised by them? <laughs> <laughs> 
They're so cool. Um, it's great that uh, Xveris has so much uh, experience in retail media because one of the things we wanted to ask you about is, in your experience, what's the reason media buyers should be excited about the opportunities that retail media presents? Well, I think the biggest reason is in our field as a media buyer, you know, you're in this interesting uh, dynamic where it's a combination of advertising is, you know, creativity, psychology, but it's also data and science and math and analytics. And when you want to combine those things and something that media professionals are constantly hungry for is, is that proof, the proof, the proof that what I'm doing matters, the proof that what I'm doing is helping my client. It's, it makes us feel good and it helps the businesses mm -hmm. grow. And so I think that's one reason why people get very excited about, you know, the, it's the measurability, of course. I think the other thing about it is as consumers, we're so used to advertising being you know, an interruptive experience, right? It's interrupting your content. It's something that's happening in front of what you really want to be doing. But retail media is, is endemic to what you're already doing. You're shopping, mm. you're shopping. And most retail media um, ad products are very native to the experience. You, you know, it's like a search ad or it's a sponsored listing or it's a promoted product that's related to what you're looking for. So we're, we like the idea that it's native, it's part of your shopping experience and that it's instantly trackable. For sure, for sure. Um, one of the things I've been thinking about as I learn more about this industry um, is how do you start to differentiate some of the retail media buys from some of the more traditional digital buys? Um, is there anything substantially different that you recommend in terms of a campaign strategy or the goals that you set with a customer? Yes. I mean, I think what's really interesting in the, the history of how retail media has evolved, right, is... In the past, it was really all about um, what was called trade advertising or shopper marketing. And it was something that was in the realm of the sales teams who would work with, let's say, um, let's say I'm, you know, I'm a laundry detergent brand and I'm sold at Walmart. Well, I would work with my Walmart buyer and they would be the ones who were, who would be looking at, Hey, you know, are mm -hmm. you going to do in store displays? Are you going to have coupons? You know? And that was a whole different realm. And now this whole idea of advertising in a retail physical location, but now in a digital location primarily has shifted it into the realm of media buyers and advertising professionals, which is where, you know, where I come into play. And so I think um, the shift and how it's differentiated is as media buyers, we have to think a little bit not only just about you know the advertising and the consumer element but also about the retailer element because a lot of times these buys are done with an intention of driving driving increased sell through from the retail buyer meaning the Walmart buyer the target buyer right convincing them hey we're we're going to put a lot of investment behind this to drive sales at your specific retail channel and that's important because that helps brand advertisers increase distribution and have stronger relationships with their retailers. So you kind of have to shift your thinking a little bit to be aware of that, be very cognizant of that relationship. Um, 
And then the second thing is having it be not a siloed situation where it, like it used to be in the past, you would have your ad campaign over here and you would have your shopper marketing somewhere else. Now you're really starting to see these worlds merge. And the reason that it's so important to merge them together is because you're suddenly able to understand the impact that different advertising has on your in-store and online sales. So what do I mean by that? I mean, you know, if someone watches a TV ad, that's going to have an impact on your dot-com sales or your walmart.com sales or your target or your Kroger or whatever it is. And so now by bringing these worlds together and ideally having one um, holistic viewpoint, you can sort of tie these things together and say, hey, I want to make sure that my TV campaign lines up with my on, you know, my on-shelf activation, which lines up with my in-screen media. And I want to have tracking and I want to have, you know, geolocation device retargeting to make sure that the same person sees the same message across all their screens. So really having that holistic view is something that is super important. I think it's all really like helpful context for people kind of from the outside looking in on retail media and interested in getting started. I'm wondering from your perspective, um, what are the likeliest stumbling blocks? If someone's like, ah, oh, let's do a retail media and they kind of try to go into it without adequate preparation. Well, there are, uh, there's a couple of things that you got to sort out first. I mean, I would say, you know, the most importantly, the most important thing is having an understanding of your brand and product distribution footprint, right? So you don't, you don't want to waste your dollars advertising um, on a channel where your product is not widely accessible. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we, we have a pet food client that is uh, historically was only distributed at very specific neighborhood pet stores. So it's not going to make sense for us to go deep on, you know, a mass big box retailer chain, retail media, because they're not, their products aren't widely sold there. Maybe they only have one or two SKUs. You know, you want to go where you're going to have the highest chance of success. And the other thing to think about is regionality, right? So are you only in certain states? Um, what's your shipping? You know, there's all these considerations that you have to have. Um, what's the shipping situation? If you're, if it's a product where the cost of shipping is extremely prohibited, prohibitive, maybe it doesn't make sense to advertise an e-commerce play. I'll we'll give you another example. We had a client that was, um, a bottled water client. Shipping bottled water is very expensive. They're not going to, you know, it's really hard to make a strong return on something like that versus let's say a, you know, um, powdered hydration tablet. Right. So you got to make these kinds of decisions um, and really get an understanding from your client of which channels make the most sense for you, which retail chains, brick and mortar versus online um, regionality. Get all that stuff sorted out first before you start going down the path. Um, that's that's what I would say is like the most important thing as far as a stumbling block. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of those fundamental pieces that don't necessarily come to mind. But um, again, it makes total sense in terms of ensuring that you're getting that impact that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, when we think about data, which is one of my favorite things, 
Um, and um, retail media specifically, what kind of first party um, data do you find that some of these media buyers are looking for when they're transacting on the retail media campaigns? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's what brands are most hungry for, especially in the digital shopping environment, right? So when so much of product sales happen, not on the brand's own.com, right? Think of any product. No one goes to Coca-Cola.com to buy Coca-Cola, right? I mean, you know, most most of the sales are happening on the retailer's uh, properties and they own a lot of that data. So what is the data that you're looking for that you want to, that you really want to explore? Um, I like to think of it as um, concentric circles that expand out. So from a t really tight radius of who are my current buyers, right? And that's something that the retailers can, can uniquely tell you not only who they are, but how often do they buy? What do they buy? Are they, you know, and you can think of it as segmenting between light, medium, heavy buyers, and that can help you be really selective on who you want to reach. Um, what else do they buy? What else are they in the market for? Who else do they consider? Um, when they stop buying you, who do they buy? And that is a lot of really interesting data. Or when they come to you, who did they come from? You know, that type of stuff is really insightful, um, not only for media targeting, but also just for, you know, consumer insights, creative strategy, uh, product strategy, and, and other research. Um, so then, you know, next level out, you want to look at um, their category shopper their, or their category, their category buyer and their category shopper. Um, what brands are they considering? How much do they spend on average? How often do they spend? So you get a broader view of, of who the consumer is in the total market. And then sort of the last um, third ring out from the center is what I like to call, you know, trigger or prospective audiences. These are people who maybe they're not currently buying your product or even your category, but they have some indications that they might be soon. So um, there's a lot of examples of this. You know, I think the simplest one being something like, you know, um, understanding a browsing behavior of someone who recently, you know, started looking for um, baby products, right? So, you know, or prenatal vitamins, right? So that's a trigger. Okay, this person is going to have a child soon. So suddenly they're in my prospective customer list. And now I can expand my pool to reach not only current moms, but prospective moms or moms who may be, you know, expecting to be expecting. So you're building that audience pool for, you know, say 18 months down the line. Um, so that type of shopper data is super valuable. Would you say, by and large, the retailers that you've you know, worked with for these kinds of campaigns, are they delivering on the data you want or are there still gaps in some places? Um, well, let's see. Uh, the way I would answer that is they have the data. Um, sometimes it's challenging to get it um, only because some are more uh, tight-fisted than others, where others are more generous. For, for various reasons, whether it's privacy, whether it's, you know, competitive information. Um, but I would say by and large, you know, the data exists, it's there. Sometimes it just requires a, a little extra work to get it. Um, sometimes you have to ask, you know, sometimes it's going to take, you know, 
several days to a week to have a custom, you know, audience pool built for you. Um, something like that. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. And I feel like in a way kind of ties a little bit to the next question I want to ask. What I, what we're noticing is there's a lot of fragmentation in retail media right now. Mm -hmm. feels like a lot of the big retailers, especially they're trying to wall themselves off, restrict activity to certain DSPs. Often it's a homegrown solution or one they acquired. Mm -hmm. What impact is this having for media buyers? And do you anticipate this is something that's going to persist over the coming years or is it just kind of like a phase? I think, I think what we're seeing is, you know, everyone wants to cash in on the retail media, you know, popularity. Um, and so all these, all these different solutions being created is, is sort of a natural outcome of, of that, of, you know, wanting to grab that share and transform their businesses to, to capture that market share of advertising dollars. Um, I don't think that is going to be all that sustainable. Um, and in fact, what, what I'm seeing more is I'm seeing kind of the pendulum start swinging the other way where I'm seeing more, um, collaboration and I'm seeing more of these types of companies realizing that they need to make things easier for the advertiser, not harder. So one big example that just came out a couple of weeks ago, Instacart, you know, suddenly decided that um, they were going to share data with Google and Meta and the Trade Desk and enable you to place buys on those platforms, leveraging Instacart data and um, for tar audience targeting and for uh, backend sales attribution. So for me, that's that's an example of Instacart sort of realizing, yes, we can sell our own products on our own platform, but if we really want to, you know, expand how we're, we're using our data, we should probably start integrating with these other platforms that that operate, you know, a much wider net of, of the total available audience. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I feel like we're at a place now where we're really starting to showcase the value of some of the data sets that have been collected either intentionally or unintentionally over a long period of time. And it's opening up a lot of opportunities, which is really cool. Um, I think one of the things that I'm most excited about with retail media is the opportunity to go digital inside of brick and mortar environments. Um, obviously, more retailers are trying to offer a mix of in-store and online. Um, how do you think media buyers can best take advantage of that? Um, yeah, I think, first of all, the bringing together the world of the physical and the digital is is ideal for any any marketer um how to take best advantage of it i mean some of the things that we've seen be successful is just being very specific about you know when you know that you're, you're reaching someone who's in the store have them have the message and the goal of the campaign about very specific how do i get them to take that next step to buy it right not about like thinking about something in the future, you know, oh, maybe I need to buy chicken in the future. It's like, no, tonight you need to buy fajitas because this is what's for dinner. It's in aisle 12, you know, that and a jar of salsa dinners on the table. You know, it's about making it immediately actionable. Um, I think that's the best way to take advantage of it. You know, having, having 
uh, an offer that's available right away, something that feels exclusive, something that feels time sensitive, um, creates that sense of urgency when someone's in the store and just makes it easy. Um, that's, that's, I guess like the other thing that we've seen be successful is, you know, again, like bundling, you know, so you have this, you should also buy this, you know, um, try, try all our flavors. You love chocolate, try vanilla, you love vanilla, try banana, you know, um, to build that basket size is also another really effective strategy, especially when you're launching, um, new products or new flavors. In a similar vein to the in-store piece, we also know that retailers and brands are keen to move shoppers into brick and mortar environments. Are there any interesting campaigns you've seen activated through RMN ad buys that help drive in-store traffic? Uh, one example that I would like to talk about is something that our agency just did, um, which solves that exact question. So, I mentioned earlier about our pet food uh, client, Stella and Chewy's. So the majority of their sales, like I mentioned, um, have historically taken place in neighborhood independent um, pet stores. So sort of the, you know, the neighborhood boutique pet store. And um, this past year, we wanted to launch a campaign that was entirely designed around getting people to go to their neighborhood pet store and find Stella and Chewy's products. Why? Because of course, as consumer behavior is changing, people are more likely to, you know, shop either online or from the big box retailers. We want to make sure that we're still supporting our local neighborhood retail retailers who are really the ones that got the brand, you know, up and running and, and brought it to its success. So um, we actually launched a campaign that was called America's next top pet fluencer. And the campaign was entirely designed around getting customers to go to their neighborhood pet store um, to where, it would, where they could exclusively get an entry to take a picture of their dog or cat um, for to enter for a chance to win um, the opportunity to have their, their dog be the face of our next advertising campaign on a billboard you know, in their local city and, and be part of their online advertising campaigns. So, um, as you can imagine, people loved the idea. Um, and you know, the retail media component was really around, obviously we had to activate in the, in the, um, in the neighborhood pet stores. So there was some digital media displays, there was some, you know, paper out of home, um, driving people to the event, but also there was a lot of hyper-targeted local um, digital media that surrounded the exact list of stores where we saw our highest opportunity. So we had this list of every single retail location we wanted to target. We had digital media geo-focused around those people who were in those neighborhoods. We had digital out of home targeting people um, who were in the neighborhoods where those stores existed. Um, so it was very tight to directing people to a specific retail media location. And then, of course, um, when the winner's announced, it's going to be, you know, displayed close to to the, the retail store as well. And it will be, you know, advertised that, you know, this is the store that they came from, et cetera. So um, that was one, like, I think, pretty creative solution to getting people in store, right? Like creating that experience, creating a reason um, 
and from all the feedback that we've heard from the retailers, like huge success, ton, you know, we surpassed our goal for entries and benchmarks and all of that. That is so cool. I'm like, seriously, I've been telling my dog that he needs to get a job and I feel like I missed an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Could have gotten free food for a year at least. <laughs> Can I ask, are you getting to see all of the pet fluencers yourself? Because that mm. seems like the best perk possible for this kind of campaign. Right. Now, I'm not part of the selection committee, so uh, <sighs> no, but I have seen the winner. He's very cute. As they all are, of course. <laughs> of course. That's such a cool idea. Um, we ask all of our guests some variation of this question, but I feel like it's even uh, more fun since you come from the agency world. Mm -hmm. um, can you give us an idea for a creative, impactful retail media campaign that incorporates in-store digital, um, either as a standalone or as part of a broader omni-channel campaign? Yeah, so I love, I love that you guys asked this. And like, there's one idea that is just my, my dream in my career. And it's, it's not that, it's not that deep, it's not that complex, but I think something that I don't understand why brands don't do more of is more, um, collabs. So, mm. you know, yeah, you see a lot of collabs with like, oh, the designers and, you know, unexpected sort of combinations. But to me, it's about like, I would love to see more partnerships between brands, you know, like why doesn't peanut butter, peanut butter work with jelly and, you know, do a combined in-store display. You never mm -hmm. see them. And especially for the types of brands that we work with, like they're, again, they tend to be those sort of growing brands. They're, they don't have the massive budget. So like, why don't they combine forces with another similar brand to, make the most of like, let's say, you know, an in-store promotion or, um, sharing the ad space. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that's something that I think I would love to just, it, again, it's like a been a dream of mine. I'm trying to think of like an, another example of, um, like we have a beer client. It's like, why don't we do, why don't we put them together with our, um, our chicken wings client? Um, mm -hmm. John Souls Foods, which sells hot ones and our clients at New Belgium Brewing. Like I, that's like my dream. It's not that creative other than to say, I just think like they could just benefit from each other so much um, because it's, again, it's about building that basket and like variety and more is more and this goes with this and you can't have this without that. So anyway, um, that's my pitch. I hope some of my clients hear this and listen. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, our, our go-to is always, um, you want to sell avocados, put up a recipe for a guacamole. But to your point, get old El Paso in on it. Have them sell their salsa alongside it, right? Like it makes perfect sense and you're going to move the avocados and the salsa at the same time, for sure. Yeah, and they can, I mean, they can literally just share their budgets that could just go so much farther. And that's something that, you know, if, if there's any listeners out there that are in, you know, ad sales or retail media sales, you know, a really smart salesperson would, would find a way to like bring two of their clients together and say, Hey, I have this opportunity. I'd love to bring you two together. Mm. Um, because I, I just think it would be really successful. I agree. 
Is there anything else you think our audience should know about retail media before we hang up? Um, <laughs> my, uh, my one-liner was going to be, it's not just Amazon. <laughs> Amazon, but we love Amazon. We love Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, think about the broader scope of retail and media and um, think about how it all works together. I like it. Awesome. Um, Talia, thank you so much for joining us. This was a delightful conversation. Thank you, guys. It really was. That's all we have for you this week, but make sure you come back in a couple weeks from now to see what else we have in store for you. Right? That's right. <laughs>